So it's Friday night, 6 p.m., and you're tuned into Louie Live. We're going to start the show off with a little saliva and a song called Click, Click, Boom. And if you've ever listened to my show before, you know we got one rule basically, and that's you're going to need a loud stereo. All right, so let's start it off with a little click, click, boom.
Click, click, boom by Saliva. Another oldie, but a goodie. It's basically what we play on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, you're listening to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. This week, we're honoring the veterans past and present of D-Day, Normandy, the day they stormed the beach in Omaha. This article right here, it says, uh, on a bluff overlooking Omaha Beach, President Donald Trump lauded the heroism of Americans and allied service members who participated in the D-Day invasion, saying they came wave after wave without question, without hesitation, and without complaint. And what's interesting is people from that generation, that era, you read about men as young as 14 years old volunteering to go over there knowing that their life would come to an end at any minute. But it was a world war and there were a lot of things on the line. Mostly our freedom. Took people from all over the world to come together and realize that. A lot of similarities to what's going on with the world nowadays, folks. It's a war of good against evil, in my opinion. And the good guy always wins. And that's why it's definitely important to get out there and vote. Don't take anything for granted. And it's because of these great people that wasted their lives on the beach that day. They didn't have all the capabilities back then that we have nowadays with Tomahawk missiles and smart bombs that can fly halfway across the planet and land right through a person's window of their house. All done through a joystick back here in America. It's amazing how far technology has come. But it says right here, President Trump joined other world leaders at Normandy American Cemetery in France to honor those who died and participated in the battle. Trump also sought to assure allies skittish about relying on the U.S. under his America First brand of leadership because that's what President Trump says, America First. It's called patriotism. It's not called nationalism. And nationalism is totally different than what people try to twist it around to be. If you're proud of your nation and you want to put your country first, and President Trump recommends that all people of all nations do that, you make your country great again. It's not a lot of point to come into America, folks, when everything that you have and love is right where you come from. You can stay there and make your country great again, just like we're doing with our country. says, under blue skies far quieter than those streaked by gunfire exactly 75 years ago, President Trump described the 130,000 members who took part in the D-Day land from boat as the citizens of free and independent nations united by their duty to their compatriots and to millions yet unborn. He paid particular attention to a few surviving members of that day. And there aren't many left folks because they're all in their 90s, the ones that are left. 
they say, who are likely witnessing their final remembrance of arguable the world's most famous battle, singling out a few by telling their personal stories. He described D-Day participants as among the very greatest Americans who will ever live. That's very well possible, folks. Those who fought here won a future for our nation. They won the survival of our civilization, and they showed us the way to love, cherish, and defend our way of life for many centuries to come, President Trump said. What has often been described as America's greatest generation was no less extraordinary in peace, Trump said, crediting them for building a nature culture that inspired the entire world. President Trump was joined by French President Emmanuel Macron, who told American D-Day veterans that France doesn't forget what they sacrificed for his country and liberty from the Nazis. If it wasn't for patriotism and self-sacrifice, we would all probably be speaking German nowadays. There's other people that want to come to the United States and take over, folks. And it's been said that we won't be taken over from the outside, but we'll be taken over from the inside. And what we're seeing is people are coming to the United States and gaining citizenship. They're getting involved in politics. And they're running for office. And they're trying to change the way of our country and the Constitution, and they want open borders. I hate to see what the United States is going to look like 20 to 30 years from now. People have to wake up and smell the coffee, folks. We need borders. We need the Constitution. We need policies. We need rules, regulations. We need laws, because if we don't have all of those, the nation is going to fall apart, and you're going to have chaos and we're seeing that happening throughout Europe. A lot of countries are being taken over. We don't want that in the United States, folks. We're going to go to a song here and then we'll break it up a little bit with some Vermont issues. This song is by April Wine and it's called Roller.
right, and that was April Wine with a song called Roller. You notice how I say the name of the song and the artist at the beginning of the show and the end of the show? That's what bothers me. I drive down the road, I'll be listening to a song, and I'll say, wow, I haven't heard that song in like a million years. But you don't know who's singing it. It'll hit you about 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you'll wake right up in the middle of the night say, oh yeah, that's who sings that song. But they don't say it on the radio. A lot of times they won't say who you just listened to. They should. Because if they do, then you can go on the internet or their station that you're listening to and search for that song. And then you'll play it. Then you can call up and request it. Or if you have a group on Facebook like I do called Louie Live, you can go there and join and play that song or listen to that song. Or you can play your own music and showcase your own music. So that's what I encourage everyone to do, folks. You can go to, like, Facebook, look up my group, Louie Live. Ask to join the group. Showcase your music. Come on if you want to and play your music. Once in a while, we have artists do that. It's always a good time. The studio right here is uh, set up pretty good acoustic-wise. I mean, the music really bounces right off the walls. feels like you're at a concert. And that's the way it should be. And one thing that I always say, it's not a matter of how loud your music is. It's a matter of the clarity. That's why you want to have a really good set of speakers. Like, my car got a set of speakers on there. They're like five-way speakers, 1,000 watts each. That's just two of them. And they're in box cabinets and everything. And I tell you, you can almost break the windows in the car. But it's all about the clarity, as I was saying. So, let's go to a local issue. It says, uh, Vermont Mosquito Control District is considering using aerial drones for surveillance and to disperse treatments. Can you imagine that? Whoever thought that someday we would be using drones to help us wipe out mosquitoes. I mean, we were using them around the world to wipe out our enemies. It's one thing about Barack Obama. He was bombing seven different countries at a time. He set a record. I don't think any president had ever bombed seven different countries at a time. And a lot of this was done with drones. And some people say, well, you know, a lot of innocent babies, men, women, and children, elderly people, all dying because of drone strikes. Because Obama was bombing people in seven different countries at a time when he was the president for eight years using drones. A lot of innocent people died in those drone strikes. Now see, if that was George W. Bush they would have wanted to prosecute him as a war criminal, as they did when we went into Iraq and Kuwait. Now, we're in a little town called Burlington, Vermont, up in the Northeast. God's country, as I call it. 
And when George W. Bush was the president, these people stood at the top of Church Street in Burlington, the biggest city in Vermont, every single day until he walked out of office. They wanted him prosecuted for war crimes and whatnot, and he had his dealings with Halliburton, which when Obama became president, he dealt with Halliburton every single day for eight years solid, and the Democrats never said one peep. But when George W. Bush was using Halliburton to supply the troops on the other side of the planet, he was evil and it was the end of the world because Vice President Cheney at one time had connections with Halliburton. But that was before he became Vice President of the United States. But then when Obama became president, like I said, he dealt with Halliburton every day. They were dealing with the troops, supplying them, because basically they're the only people that could. Probably this very day, probably the only company that can deal with supplying the troops overseas. But it was okay when Obama was doing it. And it was okay with the Democrats when Obama was bombing seven different countries at a time, killing innocent babies, men, women, and children with all of these numerous drone strikes. And to show you how far technology has come, folks, like I said, now a Vermont Mosquito Control District is considering using aerial drones for surveillance and to disperse treatments for mosquitoes. It says the Brandon Leicester Salisbury Goshen Insect Control District spreads treatments by truck and sometimes by air. District Head Ben Lawton tells the Rutland Herald that he got the drone idea after attending the annual meeting of the American Mosquito Control Association in Florida. Lawton says aerial treatments are expensive, costing about $42 per acre, and at least 1,000 acres have been treated for a helicopter company to do that. He says, but using a drone would cost about $20 per acre, which is $22 less than using helicopter. He says the district is doing research and so far the price for the startup cost would be about $35,000. He says the district may be able to apply for a state grant. A lot of mosquitoes in Vermont folks, especially this year because it's been raining just about every day like it did last year. Last year it rained about every day up until June and then it got really, really hot like every single day. And this year it's getting warmer but hasn't been hot yet. I tell folks when I was a kid every Memorial Day we would all get together and have like a family picnic at Limehurst Pond up in Williamstown, Vermont. It's a little tiny pond with a campsite included. People camp all around it and there's barbecue pits and there's diving boards out in the water. And every Memorial Day, we would all get together and have a family barbecue. And it was always warm and the water wasn't cold 
and it was like the official start of summer. But now, folks, because of this global warming that they've been shoving down our throats, and Al Gore got a Nobel Peace Prize and about a million dollars or so to walk away with, and like I say, he should be giving it back, and so shouldn't Obama, because they didn't deserve no Nobel Peace Prize. But, because of this global warming, now, it's basically raining every day, this year and last year. In Memorial Day, it was cold and raining. You can't go swimming unless you're still thinking about participating in the polar bear plunge Memorial Day weekend. That's going to be the next thing. They're going to move the polar bear plunge to Memorial Day. I was listening to the radio yesterday. and They were talking about the water in Lake Champlain is still like in the 50 degrees mark. They are talking about people going into the lake and you can still get hypothermia. So they told everyone to be careful. But I remember when I was a kid, we were swimming in Limer's Pond up in Williamstown every Memorial Day weekend. And it was nice out, the sun was shining, the water wasn't cold, the burgers and the hot dogs tasted as good as ever, and it was the official launch of summer. But because of this global warming, things are getting just the opposite. It's cold. Can't go swimming yet. Water's still in the 50s. You might get hypothermia. Something wrong with today's logic, folks. Whatever the Democrats are putting out there is just the opposite. They're talking about the ice caps are melting. They show pictures. The ice caps have doubled its size. They talk about global warming. Here it is June 7th today. You can't even swim in the lake. The water is still cold and they're warning you about hypothermia. So basically, the Democrats are the same as the Farmer's Almanac. Whatever it says, it's just the opposite. And you can count on it. And every year people are remembering, well, this year is really cold, you can't go swimming the 7th of June. And last year it rained every day until June. So this global warming is a bunch of BS. And maybe Louis right, and Al Gore should give back that money and the Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, sir. This article right here says, uh, Late Champlain Summer Checkup. Says, summer is on its way, and that means many people's attention turns to Late Champlain, but it asks, how healthy is the lake? Well, I'm going to tell you how healthy the lake is, folks. Not healthy at all. And if you want to take a trip back in the past, anyone listening who knows anything about me knows that I was on public access television called Vermont Community Access Media down here on Flint Avenue in the very same building. And I used to read articles about global warming and about the lake. 
Back then, I read articles saying how Lake Champlain was deemed more dead. D-E-A-D. I'm sorry, D-E-A-D. It's been a long day, folks. Than Lake Erie ever was. Can you imagine that? You have to ask yourself why. Because they used to post these little segments on the news saying, for instance, North Beach is closed due to fecal chloroform, which is crap, human waste. But to be politically correct, they say fecal chloroform. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Some people don't even know what it is when you say fecal chloroform. They don't know it's their own human waste. Going into their water they swim in, the water that comes out of their faucet that they drink, that they take a shower in, that they take a bath in, that they cook with, cooking with your own human waste. It's been cleaned up considerably, you know, but I think people become tolerant of it. You can go to another city or another state, another country, and drink the water. Especially they talk about down in Mexico, where you get really sick and have diarrhea and vomiting, and they call it Montezuma's Revenge. Because you're not used to the germs down in Mexico, because you don't live there. So when you go down there, it's a new environment to you. You're drinking water you've never drank before. You're breathing air you've never breathed before. You're around people you've never seen before. Your body, your immune system, everything is a total stranger to that environment. So that's why when you drink the water, you're not used to the germs. You get very sick and they call it Montezuma's Revenge. Up here, folks, like I said, I've read articles in the past saying how Lake Champlain is more dead than Lake Erie ever was. They talk about cleaning up the lake all the time. About a dozen or so years ago, Patrick Leahy, congressman of Virginia, and I say Virginia, not Vermont, because according to Seven Days newspaper, and it's in the archives, I'm sure you can research it. Don't take my word for it. Like I always say, folks, do not ever take my word for anything. Research it yourself. I've read this through Seven Days newspaper saying how Patrick Leahy, since 1978, has claimed residency in the state of Virginia. He has a house there that's worth over a million dollars. His mail goes to that house. You say, well, Louis, he's a congressman. When they're in session, he can't drive back to Vermont every day or on weekends. It'd be too tiring. So that's why he bought a house in Virginia. And I say, I understand. I understand that very well. And I say more power to him that he can afford that at the taxpayer's expense to have a home in Virginia and Vermont. Living two different lifestyles at the taxpayer's expense. It's a good gig if you can get it. Some people say, right? <laughs> right. But the problem I have is that according to the law, if you're going to be a person of 
political standing in the state of Vermont, if you're going to hold a political office in the state of Vermont, and this probably jives with every other state in our union, it says that you must live there for over six months out of the year. You must claim residency in that state. Now, this is the kicker, folks. According to the article, Patrick Leahy has been claiming residency, right? He's not traveling back and forth from Virginia to Vermont to his residence in Vermont because he's a Vermont congressman and has been since like 1978 or so. He's the longest standing congressman in history. The problem is he claims his residency in Virginia. So therefore, he should run for political office in Virginia if he's going to live there and claim residency. That's the problem, folks. That is very, very, very fraudulent. You know, since 1978, we've been paying his salary and his administration's salary millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he's not representing the people of Vermont because he don't claim residency here. Kind of how you used to like to watch Channel 3 News, WCX-TV. Mars Peels Parsons was the anchor man there. But he claimed residency in New Hampshire because of tax reasons, I'm sure. He's on the news every night. The lead anchor on WCAX Channel 3 News, 6 o'clock. But he claims residency in New Hampshire. Another fraudulent situation, but Marcellus Parsons has passed away. God rest his soul. So as I was saying, in the past, I've read articles about how Lake Champlain was considered more dead than Lake Erie ever was. And all they ever talk about is cleaning up Lake Champlain. So, Pat Leahy one time was bragging all over the media how he brought home, I believe it was $70 million to help clean up Lake Champlain. Well, every time you turn on the news, folks, you hear how the sewage treatment plant overflowed in the city of Burlington and dumped 2 million gallons of raw sewage into the rivers which went into Lake Champlain. Or you turn on the news in the city of Winooski dumped several million gallons of raw sewage into the rivers and into Lake Champlain. And you hear the same thing about St. Albans and all the other towns surrounding the lake. It rains, the sewage tanks overflow, end up in the river, in the Lake Champlain, and you can't go swimming. And it used to be that you would just turn on the news, like I was saying at the beginning of this segment, that they would just say, North Beach is closed due to fecal chloroform. Or they would say, Oak Ledge Park is closed due to fecal chloroform. But then they passed the law, and now they have to say, North Beach is closed due to the fact 
that the sewage treatment plants overflowed because of the rain, they're telling us. And it went into the rivers and ended up Lake Champlain. Well, you know, folks, if you know anything about Lake Champlain, the sewage flows into the lake at one point. Further down is the water treatment plant where the water gets taken in from the lake and treated and ends up at your faucet for you to drink or for you to take a shower in or to bath or to cook in or to wash your car. It's a terrible situation, folks. Like I've always said, it used to be there was about 35,000 people living in the Burlington area, they said. And now, God only knows how many. I know the traffic is bad throughout the city of Burlington and South Burlington, Shelburne, all the surrounding towns. Because one thing that you know for fact is that so many people are moving into Vermont. But have you ever turned on the news anywhere throughout social media? Have you ever seen them saying, okay, we're going to upgrade the sewage treatment plant in the city of Burlington to compensate for the fact that an additional 20,000 people have moved into the city over the last several years? I never have. Never heard anything about Wadooski or St. Albans, anything. And I'm talking about last year, I read an article here, probably every week or two on the average, about the rain causing the sewage treatment plants to overflow their tanks and end up into the rivers and the lakes. And every time it was 2 million gallons here, several million gallons there, 5 million gallons here, and I figured it out that over the course of last summer, I guesstimate that they dumped probably approximately 100 million gallons of raw sewage into the rivers, which end up in Lake Champlain. That's a lot of raw sewage, folks. A lot. And still to this very day, you don't hear anything about them upgrading the raw sewage treatment plants. But they have money for bike lanes, which anyone will tell you, you are safer riding your bicycle on the sidewalk. Because if for some reason you ran into somebody on another bicycle or they're walking, I've never heard of a fatality. But if you're riding your bicycle in the road, an automobile hits you, chances are pretty good that you're going to be dead. It's just common logic, folks. You need to get on the sidewalk. I've always said they should do away with the sidewalks. Just extend the pavement. Paint some lines. Consider that the bike lane. And that way in the wintertime when the snow plow goes through, they can just plow that lane right out 
and you don't need all these snow plows going down the sidewalks. You could eliminate all those snow plows for the sidewalks and the people riding them by my house around five o'clock in the morning. It's kind of funny because you go out there and you shovel the driveway after the plow goes by. Buries in your driveway pretty deep. That's what they do. They have to do it. Got to get the snow out of the road. So you're out there with your snow blower or your shovel doing your driveway. And then you go in and have a cup of coffee, warm up your car, get ready to go to work. What happens? The sidewalk plow goes by. <laughs> I say, folks, get rid of the sidewalks and extend the pavement, paint your bike lanes, and then the sidewalk plows don't have to be waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning anymore. One thing I've noticed, though, is every spring they come out with the street sweepers. They put up signs all through town. Okay, for the next couple of nights, we're going to be sweeping these streets. And they tell you, you can't park your vehicles on the street or you'll get ticketed and towed. But one thing I've noticed, folks, this year, North Avenue, they didn't clean the street. The streets are still full of salt and sand from this winter all types of debris and garbage. So when you're driving down North Avenue and there's somebody on a bicycle, they're not in the bike lane because it's dirty. It's full of salt and sand and rocks and garbage because the street sweepers didn't clean North Avenue. Like I say, don't take my word for it. Take a ride down North Avenue, you will see all the dirt on the side of the road and the bicycles, a lot of them, they are not riding in the bike lane. So now they're taking up even more of the street. And there's actually sections. There's actually sections where the bike lane is wider than the vehicle lane itself. You believe that? No, don't believe it. Like I said, go down North Avenue and see it for yourself. All right? So, this article that said Lake Champlain Summer Checkup, I didn't read it because it doesn't say much. And like I said, I just gave you the Lake Champlain Checkup myself, folks. And if you've been listening to me over the years, I read you what we all read. And is this fake information I've been giving you? Very well could be. You never know what's fake news nowadays. That's why the ratings for CNN are so low. They're getting ready to pull it off the air. And I've been sitting here for the last couple of weeks or so reading articles saying how they're laying people off. They're hurting over there at CNN because even the craziest people out there don't believe them anymore. They're tired of it. People are coming to the tipping point, like I said. Regardless of your political standing, if you're a Republican, Democrat, independent like me, you have to step back and say, this isn't true. That's not logical. 
What are these people trying to do? Ruin the United States? I mean, President Trump the other day was over there in France at the cemetery of all these soldiers who died so we could have freedom. And what happens? Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House over there, she's having a meeting with President Trump. Oh, great speech, Mr. President. Probably one of the best things you've ever said. And then she turns around and goes to the reporters and says, we're going to impeach him and we're going to put him in prison. And then she's saying, I don't really want to impeach President Trump. I want to put him in prison. We want to beat him in 2020. And then we want to file charges against him as a civilian and put him in prison. Well, you know, folks, this is all BS. The crazy lunatics of the new Democrat Party 2019. They are not the Democrats that there were during the John F. Kennedy years. There's no more Camelot, folks. Camelot is dead. These are a bunch of progressive slash communists slash socialists slash liberals slash anti-Americans who want to drop the borders want to allow everybody to come into the United States regardless of who they are. No background checks, no vetting. They want the president impeached because they know. They've even said that if he is not impeached, he is going to win re-election in the year 2020. And they know that. And they know that they have a new Attorney General, Mr. Bill Barr. He's no one to mess with. He has all of the dirt on the Democrats who colluded with the Russians. He has all of the dirt on the coup d'etat who tried to unseat the President of the United States with a phony dossier that they all knew was phony. Majority of these politicians, all of these people in Washington, D.C. folks, are all Ivy League lawyers. They're not idiots. They try to play you for an idiot. They want you to think they're an idiot, but they are far from it, folks. And they all sat there with their Ivy League sheepskins hanging on the wall. And they said... This dossier is about as phony as they come. And they all knew it was paid for by Hillary Rodham Clinton. But they figured she was going to be a shoo-in for president. So they decided to go ahead with this phony dossier and investigate Donald Trump. They decided to bug Trump Towers. They weaponized the FBI and the CIA and who knows every other organization we have. A lot of organizations we don't even know that we have. I'm sure they are weaponized. And the evil media was in on it. And they still are to this very day. But like I said, folks, they're all Ivy League lawyers. They all decided not to research this 
phony dossier that was paid for by Hillary Clinton. They decided to just go ahead with it and try to unseat the President of the United States of America. And that is a coup d'etat, folks. If our founding fathers were here, they would all be marched onto the lawn of the White House and be hung by their necks until they were dead. I don't even think our founding fathers would waste a bullet on any of them. They would just hang them. People would come, it would be a social event. They didn't have much for entertainment in those days, folks. They didn't have cable TV and Wi-Fi and internet and Facebook. (laughs) Basically, they all got together. They'd go down to the courthouse. They'd watch these criminals being hung by the neck. They'd bring a box lunch and they'd have music there. There'd be quite a shindig. That's what they used to call it. And if our founding fathers were here to this day, folks, it's exactly what would happen. They would all be prosecuted and hung for treason. Wouldn't take them very long to prosecute them either, that's for sure, folks. But, like I was saying, Nancy Pelosi knows that President Trump, the White House investigators... Attorney General Bill Barr, they have all the dirt and they're releasing it all and they're indicting people. And the noose, as I say, is starting to squeeze around the necks of the Democrats. The 25th Amendment's not gonna do them any good, folks. They can have all the psychologists in the world to meet and decide whether President Trump is mentally unfit to be in the White House. Whether he is or not, he is doing his duties as the President of the United States to protect the people of the United States, not the illegal immigrants. He's all for building borders and securing the people of the United States. And that's why he got voted in, folks. That's why Hillary Clinton didn't even really try. She probably thought that they had the capability to rig the elections. And I believe if they don't, they're pretty close to it. And that's why I think President Trump should use executive order to instate voter ID. He could do it through executive order. Very simply, I don't know what he's waiting for. For the sake of national security. Otherwise, your vote is going to mean absolutely nothing. And it's just going to get worse. You see what happened? The Democrats, they didn't accept the fact that the Republicans won the White House. They said that Donald Trump wouldn't accept the fact that he lost. But like I said, whatever they say... They practice, they preach. Whatever they preach, they're practicing just the opposite. Kind of makes you wonder what we should be doing with the borders. You know, they're meeting with the Mexican delegates all this week. They're talking about 
slapping tariffs on everything that comes from Mexico. 5% to start out, an additional 5% every month that they don't comply. And people say, well, you know, Louis, it's going to drive up the price of avocados 5%. Wow. Is that where people's heads are at? The price of avocados going up 5% in exchange for national security? Hey, everybody, come on in, all you terrorists from around the world who we know absolutely nothing about, and all your diseases, like whooping cough, and the black plague, the mumps, the measles, tuberculosis, diseases that the United States hasn't seen in 50 years or so. It's all running rampant on the streets in Los Angeles and up towards the San Francisco area. You know, this is Nancy Pelosi's state that she governs. Filthiest mess you've ever seen in your life. Drug syringes all over the streets. People crapping right in the streets, in public, urinating in public. People are living worse than animals. This is all thanks to the Democrats. You know, California is like the most expensive state to live in, they say. The people there are the richest of any other state. But yet, what happens? Think about it. This is logic 101, folks. What happens to the people that can't afford to live in California in houses that are in the millions of dollars? People that don't have college degrees, PhDs, master's degrees, what happens to the average Joe? They end up living on the street, urinating in public. They get involved with the bad side of the world, folks. Drugs, starvation, anxiety, depression, diseases, because why? because they don't have like a master's degree and they can't afford to live so they have to go live out into the street see a lot of rich people living in California and then you see all of these people coming across the border from Mexico mowing their lawns cleaning their swimming pools yeah that's what it's all about folks people that will work for slave labor wages with no benefits Slavery is alive and living, folks, in the year 2019. And mostly in Democratic-controlled cities and states. They're bringing all these illegal immigrants across the border, sneaking them in, working them on the farms. All these business people that hire them, pay them under the table. Then they want to give them driver's licenses. So they can go out and run their errands for them and whatnot and don't have to worry about getting involved in an accident with no insurance. It's not good, folks. That's why I say you think about it logically. The rich people move in, take over your area. And a lot of these rich people, folks, are from out of this country. They come to the United States for the opportunity to live in 
beautiful states like California and have million dollar, multi-million dollar homes on the beaches. They take over the area, then you can't afford to live there. So what do you do? You go down to Los Angeles and you live on Skid Row. It's a shame, isn't it? We're being invaded by rich people, folks. And the average Joe is being forced out into the streets. That goes for everybody. That goes for women with children. You see families living out in the streets. A lot of crime. A lot of drugs. It's like I've always said, folks, the American dream was you could get out of high school, get yourself a good union job, buy a home, marry a high school sweetheart, raise a half a dozen kids. That was the American dream. It wasn't much, but everybody was satisfied with it mostly. And nowadays, everybody wants to be a billionaire. Because of the skyrocketing prices of these items that we use every day that you don't really realize it and you take it for granted and you see these stories on the news like was it Kylie Jenner is that her name the youngest Jenner girl she just became a billionaire she's like the youngest billionaire in the United States probably the world She's like, what, about like 20 years old and she's the youngest billionaire in the world? And why is that? Because she has like makeups and perfumes. If this girl could be the youngest billionaire in the United States at the age of like 20, maybe it's time to drop the prices of her perfumes and cosmetics. Maybe it's time... Maybe it's time to realize that we need to change things in this country. It used to be that people started a business, worked all their life, and then handed it over to their kids and they retired. But now you've got a 20-year-old girl who's hawking cosmetics and perfume and whatnot, and she's a billionaire. And you know darn well, folks, it wasn't her doing it was her family's doing. So, I saw this article. Local issue. It says, the spirit of Ethan Allen crew recognized for a rescue of a capsized kayakers. Six members of the spirit of Ethan Allen were recognized by the U.S. Coast Guard for their role in the rescue of two capsized kayakers on Lake Champlain. These boaters were in dire circumstances and may not be alive today if it were not for you and your well-trained crew. U.S. Coast Guard Marine Inspector Ed Green told those gathered on deck this past Wednesday to honor the six crew members. It says, me and Shannon noticed a life jacket just floating all by itself, recalled ship's captain John Carter. The security video captured ensuring rescue on camera. Carter says it was a windy September afternoon on Lake Champlain last year. With a wedding reception on board, the crew spotted a man in distress. 
struggling to get on his kayak near Rock Dunder, a tiny island between Shelburne Point and Juniper Island that can be seen from the shore. You're never going to expect it, and every circumstance is going to be different, Carter said. Then they spotted a second person. I went out to check my surroundings. When I did, I saw there's a female in the water, said bartender and deckhand Rick Sturvenant. He says he immediately did what he taught, pointed the person in distress. If you're not pointing at that person goes under, you're not going to find him because everything looks the same on the water. Very true, folks. At least you'll know where they disappeared because you were pointing your finger at it. Things can be very confusing at times like that. So, the work led other characters to the woman who helped her until the Coast Guard arrived. Meanwhile, his crew helped the man by throwing a life ring and bringing him safely on board of the ferry. Everybody stepped up and we're glad we did such a great job, Carter said. The captain and the crew say they are always ready for the unexpected. So there you go, folks. We tip our hats to the United States Coast Guard and the crew of the Spirit, Ethan Allen Ferry. And this article said last September. So it took this long to recognize it and their good deeds. And sometimes, you know, it takes forever for people to be recognized for their good deeds. You see that a lot. I read an article last week up in the northern part of Vermont. This one gentleman was recognized for his good deeds and they named a bridge after him, which is a good thing. But he was an old gentleman and he had passed away last year. He never got to see that he was being honored and he had a bridge named after him. That's a shame because it should happen while the person is alive. The person that it matters to. Maybe we should change some of those policies. I saw this article right here. This is interesting. Deputy picking up an engagement ring was turned away from the store over service weapon. Because he had his gun on him and he was in uniform. It says an Iredell County deputy attempted to pick up a pre-purchased engagement ring from a K Jewelers. Remember that, folks, K Jewelers. You know, if you think about going somewhere, you might want to consider that. It says he was turned away because his uniform, which contained a service weapon, meaning a gun, why don't they just say a gun, didn't meet the store policy, official said. The deputy says when he got to the store, he was told he wasn't allowed to wear his gun on the premises. The uniformed deputy used his lunch break to pick up an engagement ring at Kay's on Tunisburg Highway in Stratsville. Well, you know, folks, it's not just that place. It's all the cave jewelers around the world because if this gentleman wasn't allowed on their property because he had a gun, he's a police officer, he was in uniform, his squad car was out in the parking lot, and he was on his lunch break. So... They said he wasn't allowed to walk in the store because of his gun company policy. So it's going to be Kate Jewelers company policy regardless of where they are. Keep that in mind, folks.
So the deputy had already paid for the ring and was informed by jewelers that the ring was sized and ready for pickup. The deputy says when he got to the store, he was told he wasn't allowed to wear his service weapon on the premises. The sheriff says the deputy spoke with a manager, telling him he was in uniform in his marked patrol car, was in the parking lot. He said it would be a violation of policy, another policy again, folks, but this time also with the police officers, to remove his service weapon while in uniform. This police is in place for not only on the safety of the deputy, but the general public as well. The sheriff's office said backing the deputy's claims. According to the deputy, the manager told him he would need to return to the store when he was not armed with his gun. Well, let's say, for instance, folks, the police officer is in there. He doesn't have his gun. Somebody comes in to rob the jewelry store. They have a gun. They might have numerous guns. There might be numerous people coming into the jewelry store to rob it, and they have numerous guns. But there is the police officer. And they don't recognize him at first, but then they do, because he's in the store, they're in the store. They're looking at him, and they panic, and they might shoot him. They might shoot everybody in the store. Because they're thinking, he's got a gun, he's gonna arrest them. A lot of them have criminal backgrounds. They just got out of jail, a lot of them. They don't wanna go back to jail, so guess what? They shoot the cop, shoot everybody in the store, take all the jewelry and the money, and they leave. They're going to go to jail regardless. A lot of criminals they see killing people as a freebie. Because kill them or not, they're going to go to jail if they get caught. So, if for instance this police officer was in the store and he had his gun and he sees someone walk in to hold up the store and they got a gun. He's trained to deal with that situation. If you have the opportunity, you're gonna reach down and press the silent alarm button, which will notify the police that you are being robbed or there's a situation going on in their jewelry store that needs their attention. They don't know what they're gonna be walking into. They just know that your alarm went off and they're summoned, and you need their assistance. And like every day they get up and walk out the door, they're going to go to your jewelry store and put their life on the line regardless. So that's the situation, folks, between a police officer having a gun and not having a gun. I think Kay Jeweler should change your policies. This guy in no way could walk into your store and be identified as someone looking to rob you or do you harm. This is a police officer. He was in uniform. He was carrying his gun. He has to. His police car was out in the parking lot. He cannot go out and put his gun into the car and then walk back in the store. It's against policies. It's a crazy world, folks when you're challenging a police officer. I mean, how asinine is that? You know, why are you giving the police officer a hard time? 
so you get recognition. Maybe you'll end up on the Jimmy Stewart show or something, or Jimmy Kimmel. It's ridiculous. If I was the police officer, I would have said to this guy behind the counter, I said, you know what? I'm going to go out to my patrol car. And I'm going to wait for you to get out of work. And then I'm going to follow you down the road in your vehicle. And chances are pretty good. There's got to be some violations going on with your vehicle. Maybe your inspection sticker is outdated. Maybe your registration tags are outdated. Maybe you've got a taillight that's flickering. It's a possibility. And I'll just have to pull you over and give you a citation. And as a favor to you, I will wait for you every day coming to work or going home from work. And I will follow you and make sure that your vehicle is up to inspection. It's insane, huh? The engagement ring was paid for. He was notified that it was ready to be picked up. This guy is excited to propose to his partner. It's a big moment. It's a happy moment. And what happens, you walk into K Jewelry Store and some idiot behind the counter is telling you they can't wait on you because you have a gun and you're a police officer. It's already paid for. All you have to do is hand it to him. Have him sign a piece of paper saying how he inspected it, he's happy with it, and he's on his way with it. Could have taken a matter of five minutes, but instead this person chose to give the police officer a hard time. You know, folks, back in my day, police officer would just take that billy club out or beat you with a rubber hose. One or the other, right? You go looking for trouble, you're going to get trouble. That was the old staying. You go sticking your nose in people's business, you might get your nose broken. <laughs> Starting to sound like Joe Biden now, aren't I? Well, I'm not a follower of Joe Biden, but as they say, even a broken clock is right twice a day, which apparently Joe can be right twice a day. But Joe, he's a flip-flopper. One minute he's for abortion, then he's against abortion. Yeah, he's going to have fun if he gets up on stage at the debates with President Trump, that's for sure. President Trump's going to tear him a new one make him look like the fool that he is. You know, President Trump was never a politician until he won the election for President of the United States. People over the years have said to us, I'm a congressman of Vermont, for instance. My name's Bernie Sanders. I've been involved in politics for 40 some odd years or whatever. I'm the right candidate for President of the United States. Well, you know, folks, Bernie has always been a socialist slash independent slash democrat slash whatever. He's never accomplished anything in Washington, D.C. But the Democrats help him get voted in. 
because whenever they need him to vote on their side, he does. Ask Bernie Sanders if he's so fair and balanced. Can he show to us once in his life, his political career, where he has sided with the Republicans? I don't think he could do that, folks. If you look at his voting record, a lot of times he would just not even show up to vote. Or he would show up, he would decide not to vote. It's terrible. People are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They don't even show up to vote. You know darn well Bernie would never be a good president. Neither would Joe Biden. These guys can tell you everything that you want to hear. And you know it's never going to happen. There's no way that Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden have been sitting in Washington, D.C. Some of the biggest swamp monsters they have never accomplished anything except to stay on the gravy train. Now all of a sudden they're promised you pie in the sky. You know it's not going to happen, folks. By the year 220, 2020, Bernie Sanders is going to be 80 years old. An 80-year-old person doesn't want to be president. They don't want to hop in a jet and fly around the world on a daily basis. President Trump, that's how his life has always been. The guy's a billionaire. He hardly ever sleeps. There's so much for this guy to do and he can do because he's a billionaire. If this guy wants to hop on his jet, personal jet, and go have dinner in France, he can do that. That's very exciting. And he can do it because he's a billionaire. And that's his lifestyle. But you get one of these swamp monsters, been hanging out in Washington for decades, accomplishing nothing. Now Bernie's 80 years old. He doesn't have the energy. It's not his lifestyle. He knows nothing about business. President Trump has shown that it takes a business person to run the country because that's what we are. We're the largest business in the world. As far as Mexico goes, like I was saying way back, people are worried about a 5% tariff and the price of avocados going up 5%. Do you actually eat that many avocados, folks, to care about the price of an avocado going up 5%? I don't even know what the price of avocados is. That's how often I eat them. My wife likes to put them on a couple things here and there. I don't particularly like them. But I'm one of those guys that will eat anything that's in front of me. So, let's say an avocado costs a dollar. And it goes up 5%. So then it's going to be, what, a dollar five? People are all hell-bent about avocados going up 5%. Don't you should be concerned about, folks? The price of gasoline and heating fuel 
price of gasoline a few months ago, if that long, in Burlington, Vermont, was about $2.30 a gallon on the average. $2.30. And now, not even a few months later, it's like about $2.85, $2.80. It's gone down a little bit. Right? You're talking about 50 55 cents a gallon. Gasoline has gone up in the last few months. People never say nothing. We're being gouged to death at the pumps, folks. People don't say nothing. But you raise the price of an avocado, five cents. Oh my God, it's the end of the world. Aren't there any farmers in the United States that can grow avocados? Don't we have people in Vermont that are growing vegetables and whatnot in greenhouses 365 days a year in this Arctic cold environment of Vermont that we live in that has winter about nine months out of the year? If people can grow vegetables up here in Vermont, folks, you can grow avocados too, I'm sure. I say no to Mexico in your avocados. I can live without them. I'm sure we can grow avocados in California. A lot of these people, they make their car parts and stuff in Mexico. They build cars in Mexico. They've got a lot of our jobs in Mexico. They don't need to come across the border illegally. Because basically all we're getting, folks, are the lower class citizens of Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, you name it, all over the world. From Africa, everybody's sneaking across the Mexican border. I don't think we should slap a 5% tax on everything that comes across the border. I think we should start with a 25% tax on everything. And I think we should seriously consider putting landmines on our borders, north and south. It's what a lot of countries do. If you want to try sneaking across the border, boom. Lesson learned. Try coming in the legal way. Try coming to a port of entry and applying for asylum. You can do that. You're not going to be separated from your kids if you come to the port of entry and apply for asylum. But if you sneak across the border with your kids, then you're going to be separated. Because everybody knows that a lot of these people coming across the border with kids, they're not even their kids. You see on the news, they're renting these kids. They bring them across the border. You apply for asylum. You get a court date to appear, but they never show up. And a lot of these kids are going back across the border to Mexico and they're being rented out again. terrible situation folks but like I say the Democrats will not work across the aisle they don't want border security anyhow they want open borders they want to rip up the Constitution 
Something's going on. And like I tell people, you can go on YouTube and you can research videos on YouTube regarding Nancy Pelosi, Congresswoman of California, right? Her family has been involved in smuggling drugs across the border for generations. It's like I say, folks, don't take my word for it. Go on YouTube and research these videos. Nancy Pelosi's family has been smuggling drugs across the southern border. I'm talking about hard drugs like heroin and cocaine, folks. I'm not talking marijuana. I'm sure they smuggle marijuana, too, or whatever else you all can make money off of. But you have to ask yourself, bam, maybe that's why she doesn't want the borders. Because she represents the crime world. She's getting paid off by the crime world. As I said, when George W. Bush sent the troops into Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan, their main export over there is poppies, which are manufactured into heroin, and then smuggled across the border into the United States. George W. Bush had the troops destroying these poppy fields. But then when you saw Obama take over as president, he had the troops protecting these poppy fields, which is their main export, and turned into heroin and smuggled into the United States and other countries to ruin numerous people's lives and kill people. They don't care. It's all about money. You ought to follow the money trail, as they say. I'm sure a lot of these politicians have offshore bank accounts. A lot of these Democrats are running for president of the United States. There's about 25 of them now. They all have websites which people are donating to. Donating my foot. I bet it's the crime world is funneling money through their websites for all the good deeds that they've done for the crime world over the years. Looking the other way while they're smuggling people and drugs across the borders. Maybe it's time to go to a song. And while we do, you folks can go and Research, like I said, Nancy Pelosi's family smuggling hard drugs across the border. So this song is called Rain, and it's by the cult. And once again, you're listening to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie. And we're definitely live. And you're going to want to crank up your stereo for this one.
right, that was the cult with a song called The Rain. Got about a half hour left of the show. Then my good friend Jerome P. Alimony's going to be rolling in like he does every Friday night from 8 to 10. He plays mostly rap music, does a lot of rapping himself. A lot of times he brings some of his friends on and... I tell you, they're very talented folks. You want to stick around and listen to them. Goes by the name of Peanut. He's got a big Mr. Peanut tattooed on his arm. Brother Peanut, he's quite a guy. Good guy. Stick around and listen to him. In about a half an hour. One thing I want to say is, uh, this article right here says, Amazon says that drones will be making deliveries in months. One thing I want to talk about here is uh, Amazon, who's paying off UPS in the United States postal system to deliver their packages, right? Okay. One thing I noticed is I buy and sell things on eBay, for instance. I sell things to somebody like this woman, for instance, in California. It's taken forever for her to get the product that I sold her. And you can see that when you tracked the package, it went from Vermont to California and it was sitting in one of their hubs for about three days, not moving, just doing nothing. So the woman contacts me and she says, my package is sitting at the hub in Los Angeles and I need this package. And I very politely says, well, I can't do anything about it for the rate that you paid for it to be delivered wasn't next day air or even three days priority express. What you paid for delivery was your option, and it was up to nine days. And it hadn't even been nine days. It had been like six days. But she was impatient, and she saw that the package was sitting at the hub in Los Angeles. And she was maybe 25 miles away. She wanted me to do something about it or refund her money. And I said, well... If the package had been damaged, I insured it. I will reimburse you your money, ship you another item. No problems whatsoever. And the package is insured. I always recommend that people insure the package that they want shipped in case something does happen because technically the seller is not responsible. Once it's in the hands of the United States Postal System, or UPS or FedEx or whatever. That's logical. But what I've been noticing is that like when I buy things myself, I have it shipped to me through the United States Postal System. And I bought a product last week coming from New York, our neighboring state, from Vermont to New York. You think it would have got here in a few days? But no, it didn't. 
they shipped it out Saturday from New York and it went to the hub down in Nashville, New Hampshire. Why it didn't come to Vermont, I don't know. I don't set these things up. But I did pay to get it here in about three days. And I insured the package. So they shipped it out last Saturday. So then I tracked it and I see that it was sitting in the hub down in Nashville, New Hampshire. And it's not moving for a few days. So then today it finally moved from National Hampshire up to Burlington, Vermont. And then it was out for delivery and then it finally got delivered today. But from Monday to today, pretty much a week's time, it sat in Nashua, New Hampshire doing nothing. So this has become a common occurrence and what I'm thinking is, what the heck are these people at the post office doing this four or five days of the week that I didn't get it, and I should have? And it occurs to me that they hand a lot of packages for Amazon. So I'm thinking that nowadays, They're delivering packages for Amazon's customers through UPS and the United States Postal System while my package is sitting there for three to four to five days doing nothing, right? Makes common sense, doesn't it? And then when they get all the packages delivered for Amazon's clients, then they can pick up my package in National Hampshire and send it on up to Burlington, Vermont. And I paid to have it delivered through Priority Express in three days' time from New York to Vermont. And even if I didn't pay Priority Express, it should have got here within three days anyhow, don't you think? So if you're listening out there and you're buying something or shipping something, whether it's through UPS or the United States Postal System. Just keep that in mind. It might take you a while to get it. And then you think, maybe Louie's right. Maybe they are prioritizing the packages for Amazon. Let's hope they do start delivering those packages through drones. This article right here was on the news the other day. It says the TSA officers at the Burlington, Vermont airport say they found a loaded gun in the man's carry-on bag over this past weekend. Imagine that, a gun in his carry-on bag. It wasn't in a safe deposit box or anything. In his luggage, being boarded under the plane, was in his carry-on. And it says, Saturday started off as a typical day at Burlington International Airport until the alerts at a security checkpoint went off after detecting a loaded handgun. Loaded at that, folks, in his handbag. Imagine that if this guy was a terrorist or some psycho. He could have just took that out of his handbag, you know, on a plane and done whatever. Don't even want to think about what he could have done. 
TSA says the 9mm handgun was loaded with five bullets in a Knoxville, Tennessee man's carry-on that went through the x-ray machine. According to the TSA, passengers are allowed to travel with guns, but only in checked baggage, as I said, if they are properly packaged and declared. TSA says last year more than 4,200 firearms were discovered at airports across the country, two of them at the Burlington International Airport. Well, folks, this is the last time, the first time that I've ever heard about this. Two guns discovered at the airport in Burlington last year. It says 86% of them were loaded. So the chances are pretty good that those two guns they found last year at the Burlington Vermont Airport were loaded, right? Of course. It says the TSA spokesman says most travelers caught with a loaded gun say they simply forgot they had it on them. Yeah, sure. The first offense is $3,900. To avoid this fine, TSA urges all gun owners to be aware of their firearms location at all times, especially when traveling. Well, no, duh, right? $3,900 fine, the first offense. Well, let's say that it got through security. This guy got on board the plane with his 9mm with five bullets loaded into it. He could have got his way into the cockpit and taken control of that plane and drove it right into the Pentagon or the White House itself. Just like in the past during 9-11. He could have flown that plane over to New York City and took out a skyscraper like 9-11. Five bullets or not. First offense, you get a $3,900 fine. I think it should be a little stiffer than that, folks. Maybe you ought to get a little jail time while they're checking your background. See if you don't have any terrorist ties. Or maybe you're not a psychopath looking to kill everybody on that plane. You know, who knows how long that background could check, take. Maybe six months or a year, right? I say we go with that scenario right there myself. Burlington Police Deputy Chief John Murad says the Tennessee man faces no charges and he was allowed to fly. Incredible, huh? He says the man told officers he was planning to return to Vermont and police agreed to hold the gun until he came back. Wasn't that special? You know, if you're a criminal looking to drive a plane full of people into the World Trade Center or the White House or the Pentagon, you really care if they keep your gun? Well, I'm going to come back to Vermont, so here, keep my gun until I come back. Then you have to ask yourself, folks, what happens to that confiscated weapon? Well, from what we've seen from the past, somehow these guns get out of the police headquarters where they're confiscated and recorded and emptied out of their five bullets. And then they go to another crime situation and they confiscate the gun. And guess what? It happens to be the same gun that's supposed to be locked up at the police station. The gun that we took from this guy who was trying to get on the plane. 
How did that get out of the police headquarters? It's supposed to be locked up and documented and everything else. It's supposed to be as evidence. We've seen that. Happened down in Colchester. And the guy who was in charge of all of this confiscated weapons and drugs and whatnot, come to say he was a heroin addict, a junkie. And he was taking these guns out and selling them or whatever he was doing. And they ended up in the hands of criminals and at the scene of a crime once again. So when they tell me that this guy agreed to give the police officers his gun because he's going to be returned to Vermont. It's a bunch of horse hockey, I say. It's crazy. The guy gets no charges. It's insane, isn't it? Makes me feel really good when I'm flying out of the Burlington airport. The U.S. Attorney's Office is also investigating. It is a federal crime to have a gun with you on a plane. Federal crime. But since this man's gun was confiscated before he boarded, it's unclear if he broke the law. Oh, yes, he did, folks. He was trying to get it through security to get it onto the plane. That's when they noticed it in the x-ray machine. I would assume that trying to bring a gun, a loaded gun at that, onto a plane is definitely a crime. It's like I say, folks, sometimes it's not the criminals that are totally insane. It's the lawyers and the judges. Maybe it's time to replace some of the Burlington police officers or the people who set up these policies. That's what I would think. Get rid of the people who set up these policies to let this guy take a walk. This is a major controversial issue going on in Vermont right here as we speak. We've all seen this. It says dropped high-profile insanity cases ripple through the community. A day after Chittenden County's top prosecutor announced she was dropping three high-profile cases involving the insanity defense, the victims of those crimes are started to speak out. Cat Vigilinizoni spoke with a man who has spent the last four years in recovery after he was nearly killed. Daryl Montague says he's frustrated by the decision to dismiss the case against his shooter, but the state's attorney says there is no other legal option. That's where my mother got to find me, said Montague, recalling the day in 2015 he nearly died. She was just coming out to tell us lunch was ready. I guess I was still squirming, but that part I don't remember real well. Montague's life will never be the same, not since that June day when the woman he was teaching at the firearms range across from his Westford home shot him three times. Can you imagine that? He was teaching this woman how to shoot a gun at a firing range, and she shot him three times. The first thing I remember afterwards was waking up with a whole lot of tubes and a whole lot of sounds and a whole lot of looking around in the hospital with all the views and wondering what happened, Montague said. The hospital was where we first met him three and a half months ago after he was shot. 
I lost track of the number of operations so far, he says. I don't even want to think about that, he told the reporter. Doctor said it would be years before he was himself again. Well, you know, folks, after you're shot three times, I don't think you're ever going to be yourself again. He's still got two bullets in his head. The damage is permanent. So, uh, doctors, how is this guy ever going to be himself again? They said it would take years. He's still got two bullets in his head. The damage is permanent. He says, I've got an eye that doesn't work, an ear that doesn't work, and half my head is still very numb, he said. So once again, doctors, how is this guy ever going to be himself again? He's not. Why would anybody even make a dumb statement like that? And getting justice has been an uphill battle. Montague's civil case against the residential care facility that held his attacker, Veronica Lewis, was dismissed. And then on Tuesday, the criminal charges against her were also dismissed. I'm beyond frustrated. I've always been someone who has had a lot of faith in the system, he says. I still have faith in the system, but I'm shaken on it, some Montague said. I would say so, too. He's angry, he's really angry, and I don't blame him, said Chittenden County State's Attorney Sarah George. She says her office didn't make the decision to drop Lewis' case lightly. So this woman shoots him three times. He's on a firing range teaching her how to shoot. The other case was uh, this guy was an immigrant. I think he was some type of an Asian from God only knows where. But he attacked his wife with a meat cleaver, chopped her up and killed her. And then he attacked her mother. She didn't die, but she didn't get out of it. It wasn't a pretty situation. But these people were deemed as insane. Well, of course they were. You know, anybody with an ounce of common sense doesn't go around chopping people up with a cleaver. They don't shoot you three times at a shooting range when you're teaching them how to shoot. I don't know, folks. Where's the logic? I mean, these people supposedly go to law school, don't they? Something crazy going on with this world. Somebody hacks their wife to death with a cleaver. Does some chopping on her mother. Thank God she didn't die. And this guy's not going to jail. They're going to go to a mental institution. And they're going to be observed. And they're going to be released eventually. God only knows when. Who knows? This crazy world, it could be six months, six years. Who knows? But these people were deemed insane. Three different scenarios. They're not in prison. They didn't get the death penalty, which they should have. I think that's what happens, folks. In the state of Vermont, 
which claims itself to be the most liberal state in the country. The proof is in the pudding. Liberals are running the state of Vermont and we're going to hell in a handbasket. Liberals are running the state of California. There's numerous homeless people living in the streets. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know if they got involved in drugs. I don't know if they were working two or three jobs and they just couldn't afford to live out there. And they ended up homeless. But we're living in a society where people tell you they care. They donate a turkey dinner to you every Thanksgiving. Right? That makes them feel good. One thing I'd like to say, though, regarding the state of Vermont and its homeless population. Vermont probably has a higher homeless population than the state of California. Why is that? Because in Vermont, a lot of the homeless people are living in the woods, in tents and whatnot. They are. You can go down to Pine Street. They're all living in the woods along Pine Street, along the highway in I-89, down Shelburne Road. They're all over the place, but you don't see them. It's not like they're on Skid Row in Los Angeles living right on the sidewalks in boxes and tents and whatnot. All the needles and the syringes, you don't see them out in the woods, but you do see them on the sidewalks in the San Francisco area and the Los Angeles area. It's not capitalized in Vermont because people like Patrick Leahy and Bernie Sanders, they don't want you to know about the poverty and the homelessness and the starvation. And all these people that tell you to buy Vermont first, this is a for instance. You're starting to see a distillery on every corner in Vermont. And you go to farmers markets and you see all these people have booths set up and they're giving away samples of their whiskey and their gin and their wine and whatnot giving away samples and one thing I've noticed is they're charging about 55 to 60 dollars on the average for a bottle of whiskey made in Vermont and I'll tell you folks, I'm drinking pretty much all the whiskeys that there is out there. And there's not really any difference really between a bottle of 1999 whiskey or a bottle of 12-year-old Dewar Scotch, which is like $34. Can't tell any difference at all, really. I get emails from a company called Flavor. That's all about whiskey and whatnot. And they'll be auctioning off bottles of scotch on there for $5,000 or so. And people are commenting saying, oh, it's pretty good, but it has a nasty bite to it. Well, if you look up the word scotch on Google, the definition is whiskey with a trademark nasty bite. So whether it's 19 dollars or 
$5,000, folks. It's scotch. Made in a big company. It's made fast. It's made highly profitable. And it has the trademark nasty bite. So they say, put a little bit of honey in it. That'll calm it down. Well, that's a heck of a thing to do for a $5,000 bottle of scotch, don't you think? Add a little honey to it. But as I was saying, they tell you, buy Vermont products first. So you go to the farmer's markets and whatnot. They're selling a bottle of whiskey for 55 to $60 an average. Whereas you can go in the liquor store and get a bottle for $20. A third of the cost, folks. A third of the cost. What's up with that? You know, these people sell you a $60 bottle of scotch. And then they go and donate time at Thanksgiving. Handing out turkeys. Free turkey dinner. Does that ease their souls? No, sir, folks. I won't buy Vermont products that cost two-thirds more than if I go into a regular store to buy it. It's crazy. Going to get going, and I'll see you back here next Friday at 6 p.m. And like I say, stay tuned for my friend Jerome P. Alimony, founder of North Star Radio, every Friday 8 to 10. I hope you enjoyed the show today, and go to Facebook and look up my group, Louie Live, and join it, and you can request music, you can play music, you can showcase your music, it's all good folks, I only ask that your music be clean, I don't want to play any dirty versions, you know. Even on the radio here, we have FCC rules and we have to play all the clean versions. So I'm going to see you back here next Friday, 6 o'clock. And I hope you all have a good weekend. Bye.